Welcome back to The Ryan Nile Show. This show is all about intimate conversations with incredible people. And today we have a truly incredible story. I sit down with Imelda Fossu, who went from £100,000 in debt, over £100,000, to earning £100,000 a year. I stumbled upon Imelda's blog recently where she accounted exactly how she got into that amount of debt. And the story really resonated with me uh, because I've had a similar one. The circumstances weren't the same, but the feelings were. I won't go into too much in this intro because we go pretty deep in this episode. Remember, you can check out the full episode on YouTube, Ryan Nile Show. Remember to give this a review and share it with someone you think would benefit from this. Enjoy. Melda, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming down. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, I'm, I really appreciate it. I mean, I saw your blog, uh, what, two weeks ago? Yeah. It was about that when when you put it out. Yeah. And literally, like, when I read it, it was like, that's my story. Um, that's word for, not word for word, but I've, I definitely resonated with, with that. So can you tell just to people, like, what that is? Um, so you, 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 run a, you run a business and... Yep. you kind of got into a lot of debt <laughs> yeah what was, so what's the story the blog that you read was part of a series a four-part series um 100k in debt to 100k a year and um basically i tell the story of my first startup let us find it um so i launched it in 2015 when i was 19 years old um and essentially um, what happened is I raised a lot of investment for the startup. So we launched as a fashion search engine. Mm. Um, initially, we were going to be comparing um, like loads of products all on one website. That's the easy way to say it. Um, and then later, I added in a feature for like a shoppable Instagram, which is kind of done now, but it was a bit ahead of its time yeah, in like 2015. Wow. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give myself a pat on the back for that. Um, for real. But yeah, and so it was kind of, we had a lot of ups and downs mm. um, with the business and part of what I was detailing in the blog, which I never really got a chance to express before, was actually what I was going through personally at the time, yeah. which was that we had a lot of large celebrity deals coming through, and um, but we kept having issues with the tech. So, um, you know, initially we had a web development company who delivered it late. Then I hired... Oh, so you outsourced it? Yes. Um, So I'm non-technical. Right. Um, So I had a web development company that delivered the first version of the site late. Then kind of second round of tech problems was I then hired a web developer who said that he was going to have, you know, three or four freelancers underneath him. And it turned out he was having none of that. He was keeping all the money himself. Of course. And he wasn't able to deliver what he was saying. At this point with him, I was speaking to Kylie Jenner we were hoping really? oh yeah I'll name drop so like Kylie yeah, Jenner yeah, <laughs> yeah so we were speaking we were speaking to Kylie Jenner at this point hoping to get so this her, is 2015 uh back in 2015 um maybe early 2016 she had green hair at that point Can't so remember, yeah. yeah so she wasn't I said she's gonna be the number one in that family yeah and She's an no, old <laughs> um, And so we were eager to get her while she was like on the come up. So we we're talking to WME Entertainment. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we we're very far along in those kind of conversations. We were going to get her to come on as like a stylist. And it was almost going to be like this weird live Reddit style upvote 
webcam thing. I don't mm. know what we were thinking. It was a bit of a hot mess. Um, and this random web developer from like Hull or wherever he was from um, said that he could deliver all of this. And yeah, then I got the site tested by somebody else because we kept having buggy issues all yeah. the while I'm doing this kind of deal. And um, yeah, it turned out that like the site was on a shared server, like he'd been coding in a different language on top of it and putting a separate folder. Oh, so, really? Yeah, it was just messy. And then fast forward a few more years, um, I had another web development company um, and they basically said they'd be able to deliver me the new version of the site within six months. Um, 18 months later, still didn't have it, had paid over £50,000 and each month they were telling me it was going to be the next month. So I started taking out personal loans and pumping them into the business. Um, so at this time, are you still brokering the deal for Kylie Jenner? Or? Uh, yeah, so no, I think by then the Kylie Jenner one had... Uh, gone kaput right. but by this time we were talking to the Kardashians we were talking right. to um, Kendall we were talking to Scarlett Hansen. Um we had Idris Elba wanted equity in the business oh, we wow. had, um, Kelly Osborne wanted equity in the business uh, Amber Rose Chris Brown Ariana Grande so how did you make those that, how did the, those conversations start was it just like that they heard word from like the Kylie Jenner thing and then no, word got around? Or? I wish. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> wasn't that easy basically? No, no. So, um, what happened? We basically launched our website within the first few months. Um, we got a lot of sales, so like 21 grand in sales first month, 28 grand, 30 odd grand. Then, month three, all the sales dropped off. And basically, our website connected with over like a thousand retailers. I'll try right. not to go too technical, but yeah, like yeah. it speaks back and forth to all of their websites so we didn't hold any stock mm. we didn't hold any product we didn't actually handle any payments it oh, okay. was all on commission basis right so fully kind of virtual platform mm. so it deals with like top shop selfridges everybody misguided pretty little thing and basically anytime somebody would click from our search engine through to their website to make a purchase we would get a kickback right. so we would passing traffic all the time over to these brands and delivering with the purchases. And after about three months, all the conversions dropped through the floor and we weren't making any money anymore because the people who had initially built the website hadn't made the website automated. So the, our website should have spoke back and forth to all mm. of the other thousands of websites about what products are in stock, all this new stock that's coming in, price changes everything else and that wasn't being done so as you know fast fashion after yep. about three months everything's changed especially things like misguided and pretty little things right. so people were seeing products that were on our website clicking through to purchase them and getting error 404s so we weren't getting any commission anymore i didn't realize that until i paid the web developers and they had left so Damn. yeah so that so how much staff do you have at this point um about four, four staff. Yeah, um, full time. Yeah, so had already hired kind of pretty quickly. Had got an investor um, at that point. Um, but yeah, circling back to what you said um, about brokering the deals with the celebrities. Yeah. After that happened, I essentially decided that what we needed was more traffic. So still wanting to do, you know, fix the tech, but I'm non-technical and I'm mm. sales and marketing background. So I was like, let's just chuck yeah, more traffic at it. Right, we just need exactly, more yeah. eyes, more people. doesn't matter if the conversion rates drop because we're going to have millions. So I thought, how can we get more traffic when we had no money because I'm kind of blasting through my investment? I'm going to get loads of celebrities to shout out our website for free. How yeah. do I do that? I'm going to make a shoppable Instagram on their profiles, you'll have links to the product. Same kind of thing. You want to buy the product, you click through, we get the commission. So I would basically email the celebrities agents and 
kind of do quite a hard sales pitch of like, mm. you know, I always do this thing with Kate Middleton, the Topshop dress. She wore a Topshop dress out once and it sold out. Mm. And I always say, you know, Kate Middleton didn't profit from that. Topshop did using right. her influence. So why don't you kind of get on board and make some money off of your own influence. Let's right. monetize your following, which again, 2015, there was influence marketing. Sure. It wasn't really being said in this way. So no, they no. were going to get revenue shares from their pages. And right. I basically would just find all that. I was really naughty. I was like 19 and just, you know, when you're so confident that like, why wouldn't you want to work with my company and just really ballsy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was really naughty. Basically what I would do is, Somebody like Kylie Jenner, they don't just have one agent, you mm. know, um, they have a manager, a publicist, you know, we had Chris Jenner's details. Yeah. So what I would do is I would CC everybody in an email together and say like, you know, do a subject line, like let us find a partnership proposal or something. And I would say like, um, hi all, uh, just emailing in regard to the let us find a partnership proposal. Who's the best person to speak to about this? Probably put a bit, a little bit more in. Yeah. And then somebody who isn't really anything to do with it, but maybe on the outer circle, like a random publicist, would be mm. like, oh, you know, um, it's Neil. Oh, well, speak to Neil. Oh, and somebody else in the channel says, oh, yeah, it's Neil. And then eventually Neil sees all these people. Right. Who, and he goes, hi, Melda, let's jump on a call. And that was how I would... Yeah, How did you learn that? <laughs> I know. So was it just just a, trial and error? A lot of trial and error. Yeah. I, you know, in my first few emails, I do a really long pitch um, <clears throat> about why you need to work with us. I remember emailed to <clears throat> Naomi Campbell's agent yeah. and I accidentally put like Scarlett Hansen or something. I just it was everything was messy. It was yeah, just yeah. me in my yeah. bedroom trying to get <laughs> big A list celebrities yeah. to work with us for free. But you know, after the first couple you figure out a pattern you figure out what works and mm. figure out what works with the uk agents what works with the american sure, agents yeah, yeah yeah and so it must be a confusing time because the signals are saying this is going to work oh 100%. and sorry this is working mm. because you're getting money mm. uh you're getting sales um you're getting responses mm. you're you know speaking to celebrities mm. and things mm. like that um you've got investment mm. but at the same time you you said you was using that investment to to kind of paid a staff at the time right oh yeah so we had like basically we had a first a, a really good first few few months those three months and mm. then we never recovered from that for the next, the next three years we were always trying to get back to those first wow. few months um we never hit anywhere near as close as that we just had an amazing start and then i could not figure out the magic formula to kind of get back there um so <clears throat> We were growing out of investment. Um, I raised just under half a million investment. Wow. Um, yeah. It's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It How is old were you then? Uh, I started 19, a few months in, I turned 20. So yeah. we'll say 20. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, then by 2016, um, I can't remember exactly what happened. I remember I hired a business development manager and we're still in Doncaster at this point and she just kind of looks at everything and says you know you, you can't even pay people like next month you need to get rid of people how and did I'm you like, feel no, when, no. when that happened oh I was like I don't like this woman I think she's wrong oh really um, yes that's what my ego was telling me but I knew deep down she was correct yeah 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 I think I had been seeing a problem on the horizon for a while because we were constantly as I say trying to get back to mm. you know one most months we weren't making any money and I no matter what we did to the tech I couldn't figure out quite where we'd gone wrong um, and so I ended up having to do unfortunately having to let um, this was like my first ever round of firing, um, like 
you know, six months after the website being launched. Oh, wow. Um, so you've had was, those three amazing months and then three months after that, yes. you're having to Oh, yeah. So literally people. like launched in June kind of thing. By September, things start going a little bit bad. And then by December, I'm letting people go. Right it before was, Christmas. Yeah, it was really bad. It was really bad. Wow. I had partners... Um, uh, employees partners ringing in the office trying to speak to me I'm what in, in a like a pleading oh, way or like angry oh like an angry way yeah like how can you do this kind of way um i'm like 20 years old as well at this point and yeah. a lot of the people are my friends doncaster's a very small town so even if they're not i probably know of them in some kind of capacity right um and then yeah hunkered down with myself and I think it was either one of or two of us at this point we moved out of our offices eventually in 2016 and at this point um I had also stupidly gone and got a very large flat in Doncaster so actually essentially almost had like a living room and an office um I moved turned my office into a very small living room and the living room into like a workspace yeah so we were like working out of my flat like full I don't know if I thought it was Zuckerberg or what, but like we, <laughs> we no, hunkered the thing is, down. Like, you had the signals that you were, you're probably getting that from, yes. from people you're raising money from. And exactly. Like that. And we still had the investors. I was desperate to pay for the tech. Mm. Um, and yeah, so that basically happened in 2016. Then we had a few more indications. This is when I decided to go for the shoppable Instagram. We started talking to a lot of celebrities all of those agreements then fueled us to be able to raise more investment, do more to the tech. Um, at this point, I started taking out my first few loans and investing them in the business. Right. This was just in the shortfall between maybe when investment was going to be due or something. So you're in a position where you, you've got all these signals of you've got like uh, con- contracts in place with, yes, with celebrities yes. and then you're about to raise or... Uh, I'd already raised into 2015 and then was continuing to raise throughout 2016. Right. I was literally just doing raise after Mm. raise after raise. So there is no point now from when I first said that we probably weren't raising investment or taking investment. Even if I wasn't actively going out seeking it. So what made you feel the need to then get these personal personal loans to put into the business? Um, Or was it a business loan? No. uh, So I'd initially had a business loan to start the business. That was start of January prior to launch. Mm -hmm. Um, Then... At this point, we would do a VAT refund from our first year. I think that was worth about 20 grand. Yeah. Um, but at this point, I owed a lot of money out. Just, um, gosh, I can't remember what it was all for now. I think I'd, we'd left our old offices and I'd, I'd had some debts overdue there, which, yep. you know, I paid off very quickly with the VAT refund. The rest, I was just plunging everything into tech. 20 grand doesn't really get you very far in terms of trying to build a web application of what we were trying to do. Sure. And it wasn't just a simple website. Um, there was, we were trying to do, not at this point, but throughout the kind of the course, you've got thousands of APIs and 2 million products on one search engine, mm-hmm. all of which needs to be categorized by... Um, uh, we, we were basically having to like scrape data and just do smart search. It was it was really difficult to get right, and obviously I was trying my hardest because I wanted to increase those conversions yeah. to try and get back to try, where yeah, we were. Exactly, yeah, um, so you're kind of reverse engineering your own products from the start. Yes, which is yes, but it didn't matter crazy. really what we did. The tech was kind of always our downfall. We mm. were never where we sh- we. 
you know, a lot of people have constantly said it to me. Somebody said to me recently, the idea was amazing, the execution, not so much. Yeah. And that was literally our kind of downfall. So yes, then I started um, taking loans, then we would get another investment and kind of the same issue that kept cropping up was that every time there was a shortfall in the business, be it wages, be it tech investment, I would take on more personal loans every time the business would do a bit better with investment maybe new celebrity deal doesn't matter what kind of money came in I would never pay off those loans so over the course of two three years mm. I'm just racking up so debt yeah were well, you like always looking to the like the long game like the, the payday like someone's going to buy this company yeah. and when that happens I'm going to get this lump sum and I'm going to clear everything yeah it wasn't even that because <clears throat> we were growing through investment I mm. didn't I don't want an angel investor to invest in me for sure. £2,000 and I spend 25 grand paying off my loans from right. a mistake that I maybe, you know, that was my decision a year ago. Mm. And I felt, you know, I had to do a lot of kind of soul searching after, but essentially I always felt very selfish for taking anything out of the business. I blamed myself massively in the first year. This was kind of, you know, youthful naivety in those first mm. three months when we did well first three months we did well and I got an angel investor for 65 grand and 19 20 year old me I thought I was done I was like I've got this business thing down yeah like course. yeah I was like come on who first said try. business is difficult like this is easy <laughs> right I went out and brought a brand new Range Rover I went and got a penthouse apartment and I was literally like this is my life now yeah. like I'm just and you know I just got kicked in the gut because literally the month after that happened it was really? august i i actually looked at my bank statements one time i was it's actually kind of embarrassing i um i had an investor meet and i came down to london let's say on the tuesday mm. on the thursday i went and put a one thousand pound deposit down on Range Rover. <laughs> i don't think we'd signed contract oh, really? i think i was just like i'm good and yeah i think you know uh, what i talk about on my blog is i didn't I was very careful not to post my car, my flat, yeah, any yeah. of my achievements online. Yeah. But I had this idea of success, which was when you do well, you you go get those things. That's that's what you do. That's Especially what you're as a nineteen year old. Oh, one hundred percent. That's what you're meant to do. Yeah. And I didn't. I I thought I wasn't materialistic because I always made a point of not sharing it online, mm. and I always made a point of not showing off to friends and family or anything. But that obviously was my idea of success. And um, essentially the taste just soured in my mouth for the next year as I was stuck with bills and we then had to go back into the flat and then I was stuck with this stupid car. The insurance on it was ridiculous because yep. I was 20. I wasn't even 21. Oh, wow. I think oh, at one course. point the insurance was worth more than the car I was paying each no. month. It was horrific. The guy said, it was just, I was, I just made, I just kind of backed myself into a corner of bad financial decisions. Yeah. And I'm a person of a lot of extremes. So... Because that happened, I think the knock-on effect for the next two years was that I went completely opposite. And right, I started almost frugal. living yeah. like a hobo, almost. Like, I refused to get my nails done, get my hair done, get my eyelashes done, see yep. friends, go out, eat out. Everything got put to... Every penny mm. got put towards the business, yep. which then in turn was making me... Oh, that was all going towards the business. Everything not... was going towards the business. If I ever got loans, I refused to take any of the money for myself. You know, I kept the car because I didn't I didn't know I was able to hand it back early. But right. I was living in like a box flat at my sister's for a long time. I moved yeah. back home for a bit. and So you left the penthouse? Oh yeah, I yeah, left yeah. it all behind. Um, and then 
in 2017, what I didn't realise happened again was things had started going a bit better. We'd had better celebrity deals. Mm. We had started to do stuff on the brand side, on the influencer side. And I started to scale out of investment again, not realising, looking back, I basically made the same mistakes I did two years prior, but just on a much bigger level. So instead of me having five staff, I then, I think we had either 15 or 20. All right. Like at our peak. And I decided that I was fed up of being at my sister's and I went mm. and got a flat. Oh, okay. And so that was the, the mistake you're saying or? Y- yes. It was just, I think without realizing I just started growing through investment again. I think. Oh, I see. Right. I started counting the money before it actually came in, yeah. which was like, if X, Y, and Z goes right, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. 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 And then X, Y, and Z all went wrong. <laughs> which it usually does. I know. Which is annoying. I know. <laughs> That's mad. So, I mean, I've obviously read your blog and mm. let's talk some numbers because mm, you okay. <laughs> just, yeah, because it, it would help people. I think of like, course, um, of you said you were like a hundred K. It's more than a hundred K. It was more like 150, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think as in over the period of those three years, definitely it was, um, it was, you know, probably went up to like, it was, I think what I was managing at one point was 150 grand, but there was mm. other things that I paid off that yep. I didn't even, you know, list. Like I said, the office from like 2016, right, right. that was paid out of the VAT refund. So yep. I've never really listed that as a debt, but yeah, um, 45 grand car, I had the 13,000 pound business loan. I had a 30,000 pound, three zero pound um, business loan. Um, we had 3,250 from another old offices. Can you see how the same mistakes kind of crop up mm-hmm. again and again? Um, you know, I had like four grand on personal credit cards. Um, I'm struggling to remember them all now. Yeah. Um, yeah. but, oh, I had, um, about 20 odd grand from HMRC. Um, that was a PAYE debt that I had mucked up over the course of a few years. Right. And yeah, so once HMRC is not really friendly with mucking up, is it? HMRC is not friendly with mucking up. Yep, yep, your mistake, sorry. I know. And so, you know, I just wrote something recently that I, um, they sent me a letter in, you know, it was a lot smaller. And um, I paid a little bit. I think I made a payment agreement and then one month it bounced and then they didn't get in touch. And I was like, I'm just going to see where this goes. Didn't get in touch for about another 18 months. And then yeah. it was like, knock, knock, knock. We're we coming for you. Of course. And, you know, but prior to that, I actually found a, um, it was like a intermediary kind of debt management company. Mm. And I paid them money prior to um, anything escalating for HMRC. Yeah. Um, another massive mistake that I made, I was paying them a grand a month and I didn't realise in the fine print of the contract that like the first two months payment didn't even go to HMRC. So when a bailiff turns up, you know, month two to three, I said, well, I've been paying, I've already paid you three grand and we sent you a letter and he was like, is, is it this letter? And he said, I haven't had, we haven't had any money. So I ring the company and they were like, oh no, so those were our management fees. And yeah, so if anybody's ever going through any kind of debt thing, never pay a, a, an intermediary company to manage the debt for you. Bloody so hell. yeah, I know I, I wrote something on my blog about 
bailiffs turning up and i didn't want anybody to think i'd just let it escalate to that i tried to no, <laughs> sort things about but that's before. usually how it happens like yeah i mean I, I mean obviously there are people that just kind of stick their heads in the sand the guy was really nice no he really? wasn't oh he wasn't at first but i think you know oh okay northern last <laughs> yeah <laughs> northern last cup of tea i yeah. sat him down and kind of you know i didn't tell him the whole sob story but i think as long as you're understanding really apologetic mm. you know something cropped up uh, I think it was earlier this year and he rang me on my mobile and just said, Melda, are you still in Manchester? Like, oh, wow. I was, yeah, yeah. And it was really funny because at one point I was talking to him about stuff and I was I was ready to pay him. I had money in my account to pay and I thought that's what the meeting was. And I think he thought that by me talking to him so much, just being nice, I didn't want to pay. Oh, okay. And he just kind of went, it's because they're called HMRC enforcement officers. Yeah. And he went, listen, Melda, I know it says an enforcement officer, but at the end of the day, I'm a bailiff. I don't like saying it, but I'm a bailiff. Yeah. So you need to pay. And I was like, oh no, Mr. Anderson, like I was, I'm, I'm going to pay. Sorry. I was just like asking how your holiday would be. And stuff. You know, like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Like, he I was probably thought nice. he was getting too comfy. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, no, but you know, he was, he was probably as nice as, as nice as you could be. Yeah, exactly. Wow. I, I mean, you wrote that you kind of went through like a PTSD with, with that whole thing. Like oh, with, you know, you keep your phone on do not disturb yeah. and you know it it's hard for people to understand that why you would do that and yeah. when I read that I was like I've been through exactly the same thing like my yeah. phone's constantly on do not disturb yeah specifically um, from going through a, a period like yeah. that where the very sound of even vibration yeah on a on a bedstool or, yeah. or the ringtone just sends your heart racing it's like no no I don't want to do it I still have issues now so I'd borrowed some money from my mum one of the credit cards was hers but one of the things I did detail my mum and dad were chucking me really large sums of money also at this point and you know on the flip on one side you had everything that was going well with the company all the deals that they knew were putting together you know we were going to Boohoo's head offices we were speaking to Pretty Loving just everything on one side on the flip side you had me taking on so much debt, sometimes having good months, sometimes having terrible months, mm. being sky high with a deal and then through the floor if it, you know, if it didn't come together. And every time my mum would ring me, she could be ringing me just saying, how are your day being? Yeah. I didn't know if she'd be shouting at me in tears, a letter had come right. or just asking me how I am. And sometimes if she did ask me how I am and I say, actually, I'm not good because of this, yeah. you know, they were going through it as well. Exactly. So then it very quickly became that I was comforting them all the time. So mm. I didn't, and I didn't feel like I was able to talk about what I was going through because mm. I had put most of my immediate and wider fam- family, I'd embroiled them all in my mess. Right. So yeah, definitely. Um, and then you, you want know, to avoid that. Oh, definitely. Massively. And you know, like the whole thing about um, phone calls, you know, uh, even on Do Not Disturb, I would like Range Rover, they have this thing where um, it's an automated system. So it, it's not a person ringing, it's like a computer. So I would like pick up my phone to like 36 missed calls from Range Rover because it's just like ring and ring and ring and ring and ring and oh, ring. Right. It was horrific. Yeah, I was yeah. just like, they were the worst ones, but you know, it was the same with anything. Any and Most of the credit card companies I was having was like that. So I would pick up to l- look at my phone or even if I was texting, they were flying in at the top and texts of missed call, missed call. So... <sighs> It was just, yeah, you I've didn't even want to touch your phone. No, no, exactly. Because you could be on the phone doing 
your business mm. and you could be having a you could be in the flow mm. of I don't mm. know you could be speaking to an investor mm. or something and you might have them in you might have a, a hand free or something mm. and you're on the phone and then you see this bubble come mm. up at the top and it's a, a preview of a message of or a missed call yeah like, it just totally totally takes well, you out of the flow do not disturb doesn't work whilst you're on the phone so if you're yeah. on the phone you have to reject it <laughs> yeah so if I was on the phone to my sister if I was on the phone with anything it was just like you know, I can just feel it next to me, like, and I'm just like on speaker, like reject, reject, yeah. reject, yeah. reject. Oh man, yeah, been there, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Um, you you mentioned so obviously, hundred and fifty thousand is yeah. a lot. Um, but what? How did that break down into a, per month? Because obviously these are payments per month. I, yes. I know in your blog you said it was around four and a half. Yeah, yeah, thousand. Yeah, it was about four and a half thousand on loan. How was you dealing alone. with that in terms of just bringing that in? It was and super high pressure. Um, you know, at this point... Was I'm, you borrowing from people, Peter, Peter I, to pay to Paul? Oh, Paula. 100%. <laughs> that's that. often what it felt like. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's you can do it for one, two months and then you just backslide. And there was little things like... Um, what I was doing for the first few months and it was just really terrible was, you know, obviously you've got 30-day pay periods, for example, of all your credit card payments and stuff. Yep. You know, one, I would let go up to 60 days and then I would settle it. And then, so then it would just mean that the next one I'd push to like 60 or 90 days and then I'd set, and I would, I was pushing everything up until I was going to get into real trouble like CCJs and default. So I would never let it get that far. But yeah. I really didn't care if it was one, two months late and yeah, to deal yeah. with the phone calls. You can only really do that for one, two months before then you literally can't keep up with it. You're going to start falling into that real danger zone. To really tread in water. Yeah, so it was four and a half grand um, just, yeah, in kind of loan repayments. On top of that, obviously, you've also got cost of living. Mm. Um, I wasn't at home, um, you know... It was it was racking up to well over five five grand. That's me personally. I still had a staff member at this point, and wow. um, me and my sister were doing stuff, and she's obviously not taking any money out of the business, and I'm taking thousands of pounds each month, and she is letting me because she knows I need it. Right. So, when we were squabbling, not squabbling over money. No, we we didn't fight, but we were almost like. If there was a thousand pounds in the business, I'm saying I desperately needed it for this. And she's like, well, I also have to bring money in. Yeah. I also have rent and stuff. That's right. Yeah. And it was just really hard. It was really hard. So your whole family was, is kind of embroiled in this 100% in this everybody's embroiled. So my half-sister, like her family on her side, who aren't even like my blood relations. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, you had all my family. I mean, the issue was, is that when things were good, everybody wants in. Everybody thinks you're going up and everybody, it's like Bitcoin, you know, people just, people just, <laughs> they genuinely, they don't know yeah. what they're investing in. They see it going to the moon yep. and everybody thought I was some kind of whiz, which I never touted myself to be. Mm. And then when things are going bad, I just felt the full responsibility of everything, even though a lot of the time I never actually request, other than my mum and dad, you know, I never said, hey, can everybody give, you know, it was everybody yeah. like, hey, can I invest? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, sure. Yeah, you know? of course. And we went through these periods of, you know, there, there were, it sounds all very doom and gloom, but you would have six months and stuff where I just had people chucking money at me. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, left, right and centre. So I can understand why that's a hugely confusing time. I mean, I've been there in yeah. terms of when there's hype around you, um, and there's big numbers floating around mm, and mm. being transferred into your account. Mm, mm. It's confusing. You're like, mm. well, obviously I'm going to make it because these people that are super smart mm, mm. 
are investing a lot of money in, mm. into me. Do you know what I mean? So and I really lost the value of money, unfortunately. That was the thing as well. I got really out of touch with... When you're having a 15K burn rate, like, what does a couple of grand feel like? And it's, yeah. it was really difficult for me as well because I also felt really isolated from a lot of my friends. So in Doncaster, you know, at that age especially, firstly, a lot of my friends were at university, so they weren't earning anything. Right. Were, you know, everybody was just waiting for the student yeah, loans yeah, of to course, drop yeah. and stuff. And I'm dealing with hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of investment. Yeah. Um, on top of that, you know, you've got most people on 16, 18, 20, 20 grand probably max kind of wages. Mm. So when I'm losing 20 grand in a month, we're just, it's like two different worlds it's just numbers at that point it is and you know when I was trying to explain to my friends I remember one of them said like you know why don't you I think they said something about the RAF and I was like they said they pay really well and I had a look and it was like 18 grand and I just thought probably wouldn't even cover one staff member like, <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. and that's for a year right yeah <laughs> exactly yeah. exactly wow wow so t- talk to me about that as well because this you got the pressure from your family, your mm. extended family, mm. who you didn't request money from, but mm. they gave it to you. Mm. And when they give it to you, mm. there's expectancy when, you know, mm. things aren't going well. Mm. Um, expectancy from friends, mm. because obviously now you're kind of high rolling mm. as a 20 year, mm. 20 year old and everyone else is, isn't. Mm. There's a level of expectancy that happens 100%. there as well. And then obviously your mum and dad mm. as well, which is probably the closest in terms of like, you don't want to get them, uh, yes. involved in, in your your ups and downs yes. you know what was going through or what wasn't going through your mind at that at those points because I know you spoke about like a level of like numbness yeah um, I think the numbness a lot of the time was when I um, the, the final time in 2017 when I, I realised that I couldn't do it anymore and I, I, I got rid of a lot of the staff or I, I let them go which was really difficult for me because a lot of them were friends or people have been with me for years and yeah. come back after the first time I let them go um, again by more of their requests than mine um, but still it, it didn't matter I always felt the full weight of being the CEO and I always blamed myself wholly um, you know I when I recently spoke about letting the staff go um, and people say you know like oh how can you not give you know you're an employer how can you not give notice blah 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 I'd actually said for months that if we did not hit sales targets, I would not be able to keep people in employment. But I had created a culture of nobody understood the full breadth and depth of the issues other than Harriet, who's my sister. Mm. So although I was saying things aren't good, I was, I would always just get another loan to make wages. Nobody, I never missed one payday in three years, no matter what I went through, I, yeah. I, I took the full brunt of that. But then what that did mean is that when things came crashing down, everybody was like, where the fuck did this come from? Mm-hmm. Because they didn't believe me. Because yeah, because you always kept was, it afloat. A hundred percent. And mm. they didn't understand all the backdoor deals. And, you know, at one point, you know, I was selling stuff to just make ends meet. Um, but yeah, and so I think personally, um, I was really suffering um had very bad anxiety um i did feel very numb and i mean by 2017 i wasn't even really processing my emotions i think i remember when things went really bad in 2016 i was just over flooded with emotions it was so funny because looking back it, it was just stupid what i was getting upset about but mm. basically an investor said he was going to invest and he invested 
a month late, you know, than what he said he was going to do, a month or two months late. And yep. I had a clothes show, we were going to sponsor them. And they emailed me saying like, are you going to make this payment? Oh, I remember walking around flat crying, like it was going to be the end of the world. Fast yeah. forward two years, I actually had real issues and I couldn't even shed a tear. I just went into complete robo oh, mode. Wow. Yes. And it's funny because the time when I was probably going to say that I was most emotional, I was most at my lowest was in 2016 when I wasn't dealing with a fraction of the problems that I was, sorry, 2015, wasn't yeah, the yeah. fraction of problems I was, that like 2017, 2018. Um, it, it, it's just, it was a new way of kind of processing things. Because you'd, you'd gone through a level of it yes, before. Yes, I think I'd gone through a level of it. I think in a, in a very kind of deep way, I could say to myself that you've been through something like this before and you came out the other end. Right. So, and there's no point being emotional. Exactly. It's not going to change anything. Another part part of that was um, I literally had my entire family, my entire family's fates like on my back. If I did not pull myself out of this, I was going to drag everybody down with me. And you can't really afford to get upset. You just have to kind of figure a way through it. So it's only when things got better, it was really funny. I had a really weird thing. It even was at the start of this year, back end of last, um, just crying all the time over nothing. It's like everything I'd oh, So it was through, all just coming out? It just all just came out. I remember I just went to my mum, just absolutely crying about Idris Elba and just said... What, him getting married? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That as well, that as well. But I just said like, I was so stupid. Like Idris Elba, you know, he said he wanted equity. We had loads of sit downs with his agents. They were very impressed by me. I'd learned from Kelly Osborne. I'd offered a 2% sweat equity. And I was very like, that's the value of 20 grand, let's say, or whatever. Mm. And they said, no, deal went cold because I was just, had never put together a deal like that before. Again, 1920. Year on, learned a little bit. Went offered him 11%. Can't remember how I came to it. Came to some random figure. Something weird, like 11.35. I think I thought it might sound fancy. Anyway. <laughs> I've done my yeah, math. <laughs> yeah. They were like, not going to happen. Um, too low. Yeah. And I was like, you've got to remember as well, I'd already, I'd been cutting large parts of this company off. So any, like much more than that, I would have lost control, my like controlling stake. Oh, right. So... I kind of was like, that's as, that's as high as we can go. Yeah. And um, yeah, you know, they said like, no, sorry, best of luck with things. Right. And so, yeah, just like. So that, that, that memory came back. He was oh, like, it was what, just how? Weird. It was like back in the last year. I just thought, we're just. Because obviously you've crying. learned a lot from then. I just started crying to my mum. And I think it's when I saw Giselle doing these things and he's doing all new films. He's yeah. Fast and Furious. And yeah. was he going to be James Bond? And I just, I was like, maybe if we just got that, <laughs> everything would be different. Yeah, yeah. But you know, she, she my mum was really right. And she just said like imagine the additional pressure she said it wouldn't have changed a thing mm. the tech would have still broken yep. but on top of it you would have then had to deal with a celebrity ambassador who had equity in your company who is Idris Elba and I was like you're right but yeah. it was like I was working through everything that's just one it was like yeah it was like it all kept bubbling up and Definitely. I had to kind of work through it mm. it's 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 a lot it is mm. a lot I mean because when you swim through those waters and then like you said something else just comes over you mm. and you just like, oh, I'm not going to be emotional mm. whatsoever. And then, like you said, things, you clean things up a bit mm. and then you get out of it and then you have this hangover yes. of emotion. Yes. And then it's kind of compounded with looking back because you're in a smarter place now, because you've learned. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, 
how was I so stupid? Yeah. And, and, and you start I, beating I, yourself up. I lost time. You know, we, we, I let a lot of the staff go. Um, mm. I think it was end of September or start of October, around that time in 2017. From then until January, so I had another tax refund coming in January of 2018. And I know that, you know, things kind of went from the up from there. But yeah. I remember it was like getting worse and worse and worse. And I was looking for my Instagram recently and, you know, like I went out and literally I looked and I thought, you wouldn't even be able to tell what I was no, going through. Yeah, there was yeah. little things like it was my sister's hem party and we've put on a beautiful photo and I was coppering up for that night, you know, and my friends came out. There's one in October of my, my friends came over for the first time to visit me in Manchester, my two best friends. Yeah. And they knew like that things weren't good, but they didn't understand the level. I sold a really old TV and an old camera whilst they were there mm. and they were like, weird and I'm just like oh you know I'm just like getting rid of junk yeah, and I'm yeah. like no that was my money to go out that night oh wow yeah and so it's really hard to talk about because it was really embarrassing and what I feel really bad about is that and actually let a lot of people in on how bad it was. I just mm. really put on a front. Even now, people who were like, okay, so when I came to your house on this time, were you going through that? And I was kind of like, you know, even now I was like, oh, you know, when I was like, oh no, yeah, it was actually really bad. Yeah. It was. Yeah. And it's, it's, it takes a lot to admit that you go through that. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah. I mean, there was a time for when me and my missus went, went through a similar period mm. where, you know, we're known to always like celebrate birthdays mm. and like it will be no expense spared within what we have. Mm. Like we're always going to show up. And there was a point where um, it was only Nando's. Like, yeah. I'm not saying like only Nando's, yeah. but uh, there was a there was a, uh, a birthday and we couldn't afford it. Yeah. We couldn't even afford to, to share. Yeah. We still turned up. Yeah. Because we're like, no, we have to because yeah. we, we're not gonna not be a friend. Yeah. Because we at this moment can only afford the the petrol to get there. Yeah. You know. Um. And then at the same time when we were there, you know, people were offering. It's like, oh, just get whatever. Yeah. But then we were so deep in shame. Yeah. That one. It's weird because you can be a generous person yourself, mm -hmm. and you know, if you see someone is in need, mm. be like, yeah, whatever, just mm. yeah, it's cool. When you're on the other side of the coin, mm. it's it's like, oh, this feels weird. This feels different. Like, I don't want to accept anything because it kind of doubles down on yeah. the shame and embarrassment. But I think that was part of my issue um, is that I was too giving and I had gotten myself to a point. I personally believe what I now know is that if you always put yourself last and you don't value yourself then money isn't going to come to you because you're you're not you're not valuing yourself so by me consistently putting the business the staff everybody else even my family and friends even their emotions above my own and I didn't know how to be selfish mm. and this was something that I think that maybe I used to do when I was younger or I've always done um, just with the kind of family unit that we had and it just was like getting worse and worse and worse until I kind of dealt with it and gone, actually, I'm not okay mm. and I have to put me first yeah. and I need to sort this out for me. Yeah. Um, and it was until I dealt with that, yeah, I was just, you know, I'll, I'll give anything up to anyone. There was silly little things like, you know, a staff member left and said, you know, you said you were going to pay for my flat deposit. I 100% did not say I was going to pay for her flat deposit. Yeah. And I still gave her money for a flat deposit. 
and this is like on a credit card so it's not like I had the cash oh bloody hell. oh yeah this was like I was already doing credit cards to, to give everybody their last wages and I and was just on your personal oh yeah yeah and I was just doing that because you know I don't know like not, not afraid of confrontation but it was almost like I didn't want anybody to think bad of me or you know I wanted but, just your reputation yeah but that's almost an insecurity of I'm so scared that you're going to think badly of me that I will do anything and it was this constant need to to please and to feel good in everybody else's eyes shareholders family friends staff that I was just tormenting myself and doing really weird things mm-hmm. to because I was so paranoid that you know they were going to go off and say something nasty about me as an employer yep. as a businesswoman whatever and it's really funny because well, ultimately as a person oh 100% that you let them down oh yes and I really had to deal with that with myself because it, you know I had you know, at the end of the day, I created every single situation that happened at Let's Find It. There yeah. is there is nobody else to, you know, either blame or give credit to other, sure. other than me there. And um, when I was feeling the worst about myself, it really showed up in the business. Mm. And, you know, even like me not telling the staff, I would say things are bad but if we just do this and it was like this course, horrible yeah. optimism all the time so you know even well, that's yeah, you, you want to keep sales up as well right exactly so low morale doesn't exa- yield good sales exactly <laughs> but, I, but I wasn't I was I was treating everybody like a baby mm. um yeah. and by protecting them too much and these people are older than me or my age yeah. and you know so you learned a lot in that period in terms of how you communicate to people and like oh, the level 100%. of respect you, or credit you give to people. Yeah, and also the kind of, um, you know, insecurities of myself and like this needing to be liked and stuff. I really had to deal with that. I think everybody has it on some level. Yeah. Um, I think it just came out a lot um, for me. But I really started looking at, um, you know, I'll be honest, my youngest brother, I take a lot of inspiration from him um, because he just does not give a shit or anything. <laughs> it's a good way to be. <laughs> it is. And, you know, and there was a lot of males in my life that I started to try and, I started to try and bring out the kind of more masculine side of me in the fact that, you know, I'm going to do me and I'm going to do my best. Mm. And if you don't like it, then that's okay because I did my best right. rather than me trying to mold myself, give money, do deals, let people have equity. Yeah. You know, I was letting people you know, if, if you were employed by me and you said, oh, you know, my mate Jack, he's really good on social media. I think you really need him. He really needs a job. He's going oh, to uni. Right. I'd be like, oh, okay. 100% couldn't afford it. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, it was just, you know, I was I was obsessed with every sob story and every waif and stray. Mm. <laughs> um, and, you know, that definitely compounded as well when I was trying to outsource and we ended up hiring a few Cambodians and uh, who had previously gone over loved Cambodia and oh well because you actually been there yeah I'd, I'd, I'd been there prior to let's like, find it I'd done backpacking loved um the country got a few and then oh gosh you want to hear sob stories like then you start hiring from outside the UK yeah, yeah. and it's just like can my cousin have a job you're helping us with this oh and it was just you know you're, you're talking like 300 400 pounds a month here yeah. but, but you the, know what what that means over there is the, the is police full time over there and about 200 pounds a month so oh wow yeah this was everything and they were really good girls and good people but it just it was just it was just me i was just yeah. it, it was just this giving That's a lot of time. energy and 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 yeah, that's just a lot of energy to take in mm. from people. That's mm. definitely, it definitely had to have like been taxing. Mm. And I you. think I was too, um, I was far too 
like I don't want no, I don't want to say naive but I was like I always saw the best in people and it actually really uh, I had to, I've had to really harden myself mm. um I have to actively harden myself because I'm a very kind of soft person. Right. So I have to really consciously make the decision of people lie. Uh, you know, the like I always say, there are so many sharks in business. You know, one of my shareholders essentially tried to stage a coup and take over a CEO and I did not Is see it. Is this all within that, that All period? within this time. Like the things that happened were just crazy. And, but there's no one to blame over than me because I was just attracting all of these bad situations to me mm. because I was like you know had these rosy glasses on all the time um, constantly wanting to see the right, best in people right. Even so they're seeing you making these mistakes because yeah, obviously so they're coming from a place of, of knowledge and exactly. experience and also by the end <clears> of it I felt very taken advantage of yeah. by you know the, the, the family members who invested on me they obviously put a lot on the line and, and everybody but they are also you know they want they wanted to make a quick book kind of thing they thought this was gonna they thought this was gonna keep going of course, yeah. you know the staff members you know i had staff members um one she's actually a good friend of mine so we laugh about it now but mm. um she said i'm just gonna go on my lunch and um said no problem she came back uh, said oh my car my, my parents carpet's getting refitted so it might be a little bit late she came back three and a half hours later yeah and she literally had red marks around her eyebrows and like on her upper lip and she'd obviously and hd brows and eyelashes so she'd obviously gone to the beautician oh, right yeah and i was just like you copy eh? I know. it was just like and then i was kind of like you've been and she was like yeah yeah i have and you know I let it slide and there were so many little occasions like right. that people used to leave early they used to come late you know and I don't blame anything that's not the staff's fault it was a culture that I had created where you just walk all over me mm. and you know there was some staff members who came and go and just said it just felt like a joke because there was no work culture and office culture mm. because I was so eager to please everybody and not be the hard ass boss. I also didn't know how to. Yeah. And also so eager to see the best in everybody that you would go, you know, oh, you know, I just love the mission. I'd be like, oh, right. I mean it. You know, yeah, yeah. it'll be fine. Exactly, exactly. On top of that, you're making you're making wages every month without fail. 100%. So. And yeah, I was always eager never to lay that at the staff store. You've done a month's work. You deserve to be paid. Sure. So it doesn't matter how I had to get that money. I never wanted to let them in on it or make them mm-hmm. feel guilty for the fact that they've been paid. But maybe I should have done a little bit, you know? And there's all these kind of things that I had learned because I think I was just like, I was just a baby, like coddling everybody yeah. um, and letting them think that, I am as safe as employer as, you know, McDonald's or Barclays or whatever. When I wasn't, I was a startup. Yeah, and yeah, risky yeah, exactly. And I was doing everything. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I should definitely know of those risks for definitely. sure. Definitely. This whole period is sounding like a period of you discovering responsibility in terms of mm. you realising that everything that was happening mm. was coming from, from you and your 100%. your decisions. But when you're in it, it doesn't seem it. that way. I didn't see it. What I, was what was the? Because I know you you spoke about speaking to um, to Step Change, the, yes. the debt charity. Yes. And that kind of being a like a breaking point. That was you. the wake up call for me. Yeah. So I knew I had this tax return, this R and D tax credits for about twenty grand coming in 
we'd we'd filed it i think in like october obviously you've got christmas it was our first ever one so it goes through extra checks and whatever um and you're able to recoup 30 percent of the r d costs in your tech which would obviously spend so much and we were doing so many new things um and so i knew it was coming but I, I wasn't sure when and I wasn't 100% sure it was coming because maybe they weren't going to pay it to us. And after Christmas, I had obviously maxed out on my credit cards just trying to get through Christmas. Mm. Um, and in January, I remember my sister being at the flat and we were just kind of looking everything. And she was just like, you've, you, you've got to say when enough's enough, Imelda. This isn't, you know, you can't do this anymore. And so I rang Step Change and had a few conversations with them over like that kind of period of the day. Yeah. Um, and then a woman rang me and um, we kind of went through everything. She looked at my credit report and, um, you know, Step Change is a really good debt charity. Yeah, and they, have, they helped me a lot. Actually. Yeah, yeah, and I, I know that they've worked with, you know, fantastic people and other people that I know. But for me in that moment, she wasn't speaking to me right. And it was it was actually making it worse. Mm. She kind of said about my car and kind of went, oh, why did you, why did you get that car? You're the same age as me, aren't you? And right. I was like, there was no sympathy there. It felt like everything was my fault. And I just kept thinking to myself. Because obviously at that time, you're very, you're going to be highly emotional. Of course. <laughs> highly vulnerable. Course. So and when someone says something that is very triggering, because yes. you know that's the mistake. Well, one of the yes. mistakes. But when someone highlights it, it's just like. It was just. Do you know it was really difficult? If you looked at my credit report at that time, mm. obviously it looked horrific. You probably sure. think I had a gambling problem or something horrible yeah, yeah. and it just looked, you had late payments, you had everything. But I just kept thinking to myself, I, I, I've just like all the things, you know, just coming off the back of all that, not success, but all the conversations with the celebrities, everything I knew I'd been doing. Yeah, exactly. And that didn't show up on my credit report. Mm. And the business doesn't show up on your credit report. And so when she said that and she said a few other things and I just kind of said, forget it. Like, right. it's fine. I'll deal with it myself. And they were like, <laughs> what? And I was like, nope, it's fine. I'm just going to deal with it myself. Hung up, shouted at Harriet, like, you know, uh, yeah. very, that's my sister. And just <laughs> yeah. kind of said, you know, I knew I shouldn't have rung them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, you know, they don't understand. Nobody gets it. I'm just going to figure this out by myself. And it really lit a fire in me to be like, I don't want to be the victim in this anymore. I was literally just kind of felt like I'd just been getting battered from side to side to side. Yeah. And I just thought no matter what this looks like, I think the other reason I got upset was when people, she laid it out to me and I was like, fuck. Yeah. This does not sound good. And she was like, well, you're, you know, you're 23. And I was just like, I don't want to live like this anymore. Mm. And, you know, I, 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 I really, I really, really believe that, you know, everything's an inside game. And I didn't get that. I didn't have control over my emotions. I didn't understand myself. Mm. You know, you're 19 to 23, so you're not really meant to. But, you know, I, I, I heard a quote that says, people don't have business problems. They have personal problems that show up in their business life. Wow. I know. People don't have business problems. They people have personal problems yes. that show up in their business life. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, your life is Jeez. a reflection of you. I truly believe that. I think your life is, you know... A reflection of what's going on inside that's why usually the things that we don't like about other people is because we don't like them about ourselves and I it's was, a hard pill to swallow it is really hard and it was really i had to look at everything i had to look at 
why was I so angry with my family? Mm. Why was I not able to talk to my friends? Why had I lied to, you know, wh- why were people able to stage a coup? Like, you know, try, wh- wh- what had caused all of that? And, you know, it's really difficult to say the common denominator is me because that's not to place blame on myself. Yeah. But... I quickly started realizing that if I started to understand myself more, then I'd be able to uh, kind of combat the weak aspects of my personality or try and catch myself in, you know, these negative emotions or these negative habits um, and uh, trying to understand how that played into the business life, Mm. um, which was, you know... I was good at sales. Um, you put me in a room and I could, you know, sell something. Yeah. But somewhat socially awkward sometimes. Um, hated networking. Mm. You put me in a room and I remember very clearly saying to Harriet one time, like, I don't want to be the CEO. Can you just pretend to be the CEO? And she was right. like, but I'm not, you weirdo. <laughs> like, you know, and it yeah. was this, it was this whole thing of like, I wanted the success, but I didn't want it to be me. And so I think you, you're kind of, you're at war with yourself in the, I remember with the celebrities, they said, let's go to, she's, you know. In Chigwell. In Chigwell, yeah. yeah you'll yeah. know it more down yeah, here yeah. than I will. And it <laughs> was, was like, yeah. like, it was, you know, all the Geordie Shaw guys love going right, there. Yeah. Come down with us. One of the agents was from Essex. And I was like, no, I don't want to meet any of the celebrities mm. because I didn't want to be, be the person networking with the celebrities. I didn't want to be the front man CEO of Let Us Find It. I wanted to be in the back, you know, nobody know my name. And it was just, you. It's these two, you're at war with these two sides of yourself where you want the success, but you obviously don't want it because I didn't want everything that went along with it. Exactly. I felt uncomfortable with large sums of money in my bank account. Mm. I felt selfish for taking money out of the business. How can you expect to be successful when you don't feel comfortable having more than a, a you know, a thousand pounds in your bank account? Yeah. It, it's just, there was obviously things weren't adding up and I was naturally self-sabotaging and pushing everything away that I was being given through loads of destructive kind of, you know, personality yeah, traits yeah. And, and habits. And not that anything about myself was bad, but it just really took a lot of self-awareness to kind De- of... Definitely. And, and self-awareness is, is the key. It, it's just, it, you know, it, it, it's exactly that self-awareness. I didn't, you know, massively change anything about myself, but it was just becoming aware of, okay, so that's why I do things. And okay, so maybe that's why that showed up mm. there. And do you think that came from that period of, all right, I've hit this breaking point. I've got this fire in my mm. belly now now I can look back and look at what mm. the common de- denominator was yes. and you kind of develop develop the self-awareness because it's easy to say self-awareness yes. but it's hard to really develop yes. that skill it's a skill yeah and it's, it's an awareness yeah. you know and it does take a lot of humility to realize yeah. where your actions were the cause of something yeah. in someone else yeah. to give you an, uh, what you deemed as a negative experience yeah. at that time. Um, yeah, so that, because this whole period we're talking about is like four years, is that, is that right? Um, yeah, 2015, well, 2015 to early 2018. Mm. So like three, three-ish years, three yeah. years. Um, and yeah, and also I didn't, you know, when I say self-awareness, I didn't suddenly become enlightened overnight. I'm like, <laughs> okay, now I, and now I understand all aspects of my personality. Yeah. It was this really slow unfolding process yeah. of really, you know, introspective work and getting to know myself. And also there's even little things that still crop up now. You know, I can't remember... My mum said something the other day. She So I said, oh, you know, this girl wants to mentor me. Mm. 
And she said, why you kind of thing? And I instantly went, well, why not? No, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. I actually went, oh, you know, and then I walked away. And two minutes later, I said, look, I'm just letting you know that that upset me. And I am good enough to mentor somebody. And she was like, whoa, Mm -hmm. I didn't mean it like that. I meant like how she found you. And and I was like, Uh, oh, because because that's the mirror is that. I felt insecure in that mm. moment of I didn't feel like maybe I didn't feel like I was good enough to be a mentor. So no matter what she said, I slotted it into my own belief system. Right. And so that's when I say that people are a mirror to you in mm. the sense that, you know, they see that kind of, you know, I don't like the whole secret rah-rah stuff, but mm-hmm. you know, in that your thoughts create your reality. I had this thought that, you know, obviously that I wasn't good enough to mentor somebody. So it didn't matter what somebody said. I instantly assigned it to the two okay that that's a plus in the column of somebody else believes that i'm not good enough to be a mentor so i instantly got defensive and yeah. argumentative yeah but i was so glad i said something to her because i actually walked into the next room ready to cry of course and yeah, yeah i was like happened. you know i'm not good enough to be a mentor she mm. just agreed like she always does this whatever that's very it. powerful and i thought right i have to say something i have to stand up for myself i did and it turns out she wasn't even saying that how many times has that happened though where i mean not in the same example where you kind of uh take something you hear something from someone Mm. and you internalize it you make it mean something completely well you make it mean what you what you make it mean and when you do uh get the courage to like confront it Mm. it's not what they meant exactly (laughs) and it's like whoa I think you get whatever you focus on and mm. you know like you know when you want a new car and you know yeah. you suddenly start seeing it everywhere mm-hmm. and it's all you can focus on yeah. and it, it's exactly that is that I was uh, becoming very kind of you know in, enveloped in, in my own mm. story almost yeah. of at this point I'm not good with money I'm not a good businesswoman and everything I was attributing it to that even the wins I was kind of thinking well I'm gonna lose them because I'm not good with money I'm not a good businesswoman mm. and it was just like this negative spiral for sure so I really had to like pull myself out of that and kind of yeah man that's a lot of growth oh it was really difficult yeah. but you know I, I, I truly believe that if if you want to you can really change every aspect about yourself if you want there's um I was watching online and um, he likes to call it um, the the master and the the puppet kind of thing and mm. and he was so for, so for example if he's in the gym and um, you, he's running on treadmill so there's ten minutes left and you know he'll get this little voice that say you know you've done a really hard session yeah you can just finish yeah. now if you want <laughs> to combat against that he's like I'm gonna run for twenty minutes and he goes even harder all right and it was this kind of battle of the self of that mm. I was just kind of like every time I think something negative about myself, I would do something crazy mad the other direction just to prove to that voice, yep. actually know you're wrong kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's a really, really good tool that you've developed there. Yeah. Talk to me about, um, so with your mum, for mm. example, she was mm. involved in the whole, mm. uh, the whole story. Mm-hmm. Um, so when, when she said that, mm. what was it like to kind of... Um, like to pluck up the courage to kind of confront that because it's not just I thought you said I thought this is what you meant it's yeah. more of you you've been a part of this story yeah 
should I even bring this up? Because they could just unveil a whole load of other things yeah. that you might be upset about. Yeah, exactly. It was, um, you know, it's, it's really funny with me and my mum because obviously I felt there's two sides to every story and I had a lot of emotions at the time and I was feeling one way towards my parents and mm. I'm pretty sure they felt nothing but love for me as they always do, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, in part of the, the blog I'd actually written that said, you know, I, I felt quite alienated you know, I said it drove a wedge between me and my mum. And then hmm. she read it and she was really hurt. And she said, like, I didn't feel like it drove a wedge between us. Yeah. And, you know, for her, maybe it didn't. And it wasn't that she did anything wrong, but it was... And, you know, nobody did anything wrong. It was just that I was feeling isolated because I couldn't talk to them. And my mum was like my best friend. Yeah. So I didn't... But you couldn't talk to them because you felt you couldn't? Uh, yes, because I felt I couldn't. Because, you know, and maybe this was my, you know... We, we're all living this life through our own perception of reality. <laughs> yeah. So my perception of that situation was that every time I spoke to my mom, I was upsetting her further. So I refused to speak to her almost about anything. Yeah. Her perception is that she's just trying to reach out to me probably. And she loves me and she doesn't think anything's wrong, you know? Yeah, and yeah, so exactly. when I'm saying <laughs> it drove a wedge between us, she was like, what? what? We were yeah. fine, you know? And yeah, so saying that to her the other day, you know, I'm really happy that we were in a really good place where we can talk about things and also our relationships really weathered it because I was, you know, I kind of went through it with my mum and dad. Mm. Um, and yeah, so we're, we're all at such a better space now, yeah. but there was definitely times when... I just didn't want to upset everybody. No. And I didn't want to make like further pain. And also I was so determined to be uplifting and be not a worry to them. Yeah. Because as well, you well, know. Well, that's the people pleasing part uh, of you. That was 100%. Presenting and also, itself. you know, I have like um, a strict African father who mm. is always likes to bring up the fact that I've not gone to university. <laughs> and, you know, it was so difficult because they all took a chance on me. And that was my, this was my thing. Right. And it was... Uh, kind of coming to a, a close I guess and I really didn't want to admit it and so mm. I was just always talk about positives yeah but as well when it comes to a close mm. I mean when people hear these stories it's or see it in movies or whatever mm. it's mm. almost like there's this crash mm. moment mm. but in my experience things just kind of fizzle yeah. out and mm. it's just like mm. oh so we're not doing that anymore okay so I only decided that I wasn't going to go back to let's find it literally like five months ago and yeah so the company's still active, mm. still do the annual return, still pay the taxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The bank account's still open. Still debts And I was like, oh no, it's not failed because the company's still active and the bank account's still open. Yeah. You know, but the idea failed. And it was really difficult for me to kind of come to grips with that. Also, I had shareholders and I remember just kind of going to all of them, just saying, I need a break. I need one year off. Mm. Give me a year, please. Like, and I had all of that as well, where everybody was kind of like, okay, she's just taking a break. She's going to come back to it and it's going to come, you know, back and better than ever. Yeah. Another difficulty is, is that there's still nobody on the market doing exactly the kind of things that we were looking at developing and yeah. stuff. So there's always that, you know, I often get, you're going to do it again. Like, you know, the market's still there. You can still do it. Yeah. And I'm just kind of like, no. There's a lot of pain. <laughs> yeah. But it's, you know, the company failed, I think, when... In June 2017, the web development company that we were using, I paid 50 grand to, the one who delayed for 18 months, rang me and said, like, we're going into liquidation. And I couldn't 
utilize the code that they'd given me so that what we've just been delayed on for a year and what i've just plunged all that money in i've just had all these staff ready to go just went overnight it's kind of like the music stopped though and we carried on dancing right because we got it mocked up in india like this time there was no automations right it was manual i told all the staff it would be okay we started cashing the bank account lo and behold four months later we've done mm. every hill mary possible yeah this is when i started saying for the four months hey you know if we don't make sales we're done kind of thing and because we had weathered it so many times and i'd always found a last minute investor or a last minute whatever or we 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 pivot or mm. something would come through i don't think anybody really believed me until i was kind of like i'm sorry this is not, it yeah yeah in. and even then you know we still had skeleton staff members of two three it wasn't like everybody went right and it is just like what you say it just fizzles out yeah oh god we were doing weird stuff after we were like Shall we do a fashion show? How can we use our in- how can yeah, we utilize yeah, our in- yeah. we were like looking at what we've got, trying to make something of like just a really pivot. hot mess. Yeah. We were moving away from even a search engine. It was just weird. We we're just trying to make money. Yeah, yeah. And then that's when you know. But you've then you've lost, lost everything. Because then you're just doing weird stuff. Right, yeah. Yeah, you're just trying I to survive. organize a fashion show. I'm horrible at doing that <laughs> and stuff. It was terrible. Right, exactly. So man. So talk to me about because um, we've we've spoken about the, yeah. the kind of the the storm as it were. But how did you turn it around then? What was the, how because you in your blog you detailed you know being 150k in debt mm-hmm. and then getting to 100 plus. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that like? Um, so started off slowly. I think um, you know I was very upset. I think it was right at the start of this year or back in the last year because I was like, how can I be making so much money but still breaking even? Like, how can I be making so much money at my age and I'm still skin? Mm. Um, and it was a really slow process. It was actually, basically, people had seen what I'd gone through of Let Us Find It, just informally, and people were ask, just coming to me for advice right. and saying, you know, I've seen you just got all these horrible things with the tech, like, what do I do now? Right. And so I was like, do do this, don't do that, do speak to this person, I'm going to hook you up with this, this person, they mm. say this and say that, here's my contracts, here's this. And, you know, I started doing a bit more kind of like informal consultancy work and I was almost like advising just acquaintances and people who I'd built my network up over the years. Yeah. And then, um, you know, a friend from school had a business idea and came to visit me and I essentially project managed the launch of his app and did um, the marketing for it. And um, it was just the complete opposite of my Les Find experience. It was mm. like cheap, too budget. You know, <laughs> I did it by two people who were friends of mine who were both like um, Bulgarian developers. Yeah. Um, you know, we're having m- meetings, we were doing sprints. You know, he had the marketing. I helped him with a pitch deck and he was just off to the races to go get investment and yeah. have a really good business. And it was really bittersweet for me because I was kind of like, okay, so you can do this. Mm. But at the same breath, I was like, it was really hard because. I felt like everybody was profiting from my Let Us Find experience. Yeah. I felt like all the staff had gone on and got really good jobs in marketing and stuff. Yeah. And all the things that I had taught them all learned. Right. I had, um, you know, 
every client, every win that was theirs, doesn't happen anymore, but every win that was theirs felt like a little loss for me because I just kind of thought I needed me. Yeah. You know, and I never had a mentor Mm, and mm. I never had any of that. And all of my investors, they were all angels and they were almost like silent investors and they were from random industries like fashion and property, nobody from tech or anything. Yeah, so you had to figure it out. Oh yeah, and I never had that support. So it was really difficult, but I slowly started doing better work and I kind of went on a journey that I think most people do when they first start out business. It was almost like I was a consultant, kind of freelance. Yeah. You know, you get bad clients, you get, you undercharge, I overcharge, I lose, you know, and I never had that when you're building a tech product. And um, I also started using all the startups that I was with as part of my founder's education Mm. of... I was now essentially working at, um, you know, C-level position in 10 companies and I was starting to see the similarities and also really contributing, obviously, but I was able to take kind of like a bird's eye view of businesses and founders and see the similarities in what they were doing and to myself. And it was almost like I was having a magic ball a lot of the time because I was like, hey, you know, if you do this, that's going to happen. And oftentimes they'd listen to me when they didn't, it would. And then I was kind of like, I can start to right. see this now. Mm. I can see not just how to scale a business and but start understanding the characteristics of founders. And also like founders are crazy. Like mm. I'm one of them as well. But everything that I thought was kind of mental about myself, I saw in other yeah. other entrepreneurs, you know, I had a startup, they're raising half a million mm. and he's trying to get me to do a Shopify store. And on top of that, you know, he's wanting to do a, a different app. And I was just like, they're all just mental. Like yeah. we and it's this founder syndrome, if we want to say yes to everything, yeah. we, we just we've got ideas coming out of our ears. Yeah. So looking at them, I could see myself mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. a younger self and almost a similar self yep. and really start, you know, that was me mm. in the, we have the Let's Find It search engine and now I'm going to slap a shoppable Instagram on top of it and now I'm going to get the celebrity stuff done. I'm now going to do this. And I was like, Let's Find It was a monstrosity by the time mm. I finished with it. And I was kind of, when I was seeing the entrepreneurs, I was like, oh, this is, this was me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You see it from the other side, like, ooh. I know, like, oh my gosh. And I was, I was like, so was much I mistakes. this crazy? Yeah, is this yeah. what I sounded like? Yeah. And, you know, when I talk about getting to know yourself and combat the weak parts of yourself, I have to tell myself no now a lot more than I say yes. Um, but, yeah, and so, you know, I kind of did this as a marketing consultancy and I've just essentially been building that side of it. But also I started... You know, when you're starting from zero, I think it's easy to build. And you're starting mm. from minus 150K. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be even more careful. And I really yeah. started learning about money. And, you know, I would love to get back into tech, okay? Absolutely. But tech burns a hole through your pocket. So now I'm extremely strategic yeah. in what I do. And people think that I don't like tech or whatever. But I, I have a plan for, not in terms of time periods, but, you know, I'm going to do this consultancy, which I am doing. Mm. I have a lot of high cash retainers and, you know, I'm then now currently optimizing. So I already have systems in place where I have freelancers underneath me. So a lot of the time I'm actually not doing a lot of client work. Mm. I don't do the copywriting. 
And don't make the Facebook ads. Yeah. Don't do the ad management. I'm the, the, the front man. Yeah, the which sales. is a mad turnaround from you saying yes to, to everything. Exactly. But also having no systems in place. You know, we used to do stupid things like 14 hour things to get the launches. Like, you know, I started really looking on what is a return on investment on my time as well as my, I'm really starting to value my time. Yes. So, you know, like sometimes I feel bad because I think I like earn I don't say too much money, but like, you know, I don't really do a lot sometimes in the day. And I'm yeah. like, how have I only just worked two hours a day? Because I'm just keeping on top of the freelancers. I wasn't good at managing the staff. Um, and another thing is that, you know, there's uh, Daniel Priestley, I don't know if you've heard of him. Um, mm -hmm. He's written a book called 24 Assets and he talks about two different types of business, a lifestyle business and a performance business. Yeah. Performance business, the Apples, your Googles, mm. your Deliveroo's, your Ubers, the IPOs, those big ones. Your lifestyle business is small boutique companies which are high profit per person yeah. and you could be doing a million on a team of three. And without realising, I was building a performance business when I actually am not good as a CEO of a performance business, I yeah. hate nine to fives. Yeah. I'm introverted in the sense that I have to be alone to do work. If I'm around people, I would just distract everybody in the office. <laughs> not honestly, I was the worst. Yeah, like yeah. I had to get an office manager in and all they would do is tell me off because I would come in in the afternoon and I'd be like, has anybody seen the new trailer? <laughs> and like everybody, everybody follows your lead in of the course, office. Yeah, yeah. And it was just, you know, I was young I wasn't a manager. Mm. I still probably am not. Now I work with freelancers. Everything's virtual. They're yeah. all over the world. We have the these <laughs> we, we have these kind of key processes in place. And I've created a, a business, a lifestyle business that I don't really have to touch. I'd like to move that into performance business. So mm. I'm kind of doing more processes. I'd like to build a SaaS platform. Right. So I have to do even less and then I can scale and take on more clients. And I'm only now able to strategically look at my businesses and also my life this yeah. way by having this experience. So now I have these consultants, clients, if I build the SaaS platform, I'll be able to manage, you know, I'll be able to go from seven clients a month mm. to a hundred very easily yeah. with no extra time and infrastructure. The demand's already there. I'm creating an internal tech solution. Yep. You know, then I'd love to create an app. There's an app I'd love to create for like my local area. There's so many things like that, but I'm not. Yep. I'm probably going to go e-commerce mm. because strategically it's that, you know, it's all these kind of things that I, yeah. I never... Well, that's, that's the perspective that you've gained though. It, exactly. And a lot of the thing is that, you know, I think I'm quite a deeply emotional person. Mm. And, you know, I remember... Like I said, I have to combat a lot of weaker sides of my personality. And I remember writing down um, my rules of life, um, so be it. And this sounds very hard-nosed for a lot of people, but you have to understand how giving I was and how emotional I was that I had to kind of write this down to remind myself. And it was that, you know, people lie. Mm -hmm. People often lie. No one really cares about you. And this isn't in like a negative depressing way it's just oh. that everybody is the main character in their own story absolutely so even if they're doing anything it's somehow going to benefit them and yeah. i'm talking relationships business whatever there's something in it for them you know there is kind of like you no know, pure good deed almost and mm. you know and honestly i was writing these and i remember being so sad because it was like i'd completely become disillusioned with the world yeah, of, yeah. like i had this such this 
youthful, fierce optimism and naivety. And you went to the other side. (laughs) And I had to kind of realise, and it was just this thing of like, people don't always tell the truth. Sometimes people lie. You know, no one truly cares about you, so you have to care about yourself. Um, And yeah, and I started becoming less emotional and a lot more logical in business. The emotional side of me really wants to launch a tech app in my local area tomorrow. The logical side goes... Is that that strategic? Is that correct? Right, exactly. And then, I mean, at some point, you'll make the decision of that there, when it's when it's the right balance. There's gonna come a time, yeah. But you, it, it, you know, it's a game. Life's a game of chess, you know. Unfortunately, and mm. you, just in the sense that life is a game, so you have to level up slowly. And I was like wanting to go from level one to level ten. Like mm. I, I couldn't see the next logical step yeah i could only see the big picture yeah so like like just looking back okay so we want more traffic so what you have to go talk to every top a-lister in the world yeah, like yeah. it just there was no in between yeah yeah exactly. I didn't, but i didn't see an in between i was like if we i'm gonna that's it well duh i have to go speak to the people the most following so kim kardashian how are you doing of kylie course. jenner let's yeah. go there and was, then you get responses as well on top of, of that course, <laughs> of course but i was i was there is a level of growth, you know, there's, um, I'm not super religious, but I am very spiritual. And mm. there is a sermon that I absolutely love by T.D. Jakes. And he says, um, a blessing is not a blessing if um, you don't fit the blessing that I put you in. Mm. Mm. And it really wow. hit me. And he just kind of said, you know, if you're not ready to go on the stage, like uh, you, you're going to falter. And I was just, I wasn't ready for that level. Yeah. Um, I did. I didn't go slowly. I yeah. just. I just wanted to skip to the. Definitely. To the end. I've been there. So it's like it's like the increments can serve you more so than what you think. This big windfall. New levels, is going new to devils, do. and you have to work through them slowly because yeah. there's. You know, everybody says it's not about the destination; it's about the journey. Mm. And I, I hate that again on like a rah rah motivational sense because the destination is fun kind of thing. But what people don't understand is that um the the journey's there to teach you yeah and if you try and bypass it you know that's why lottery winners they go bankrupt after a yeah. couple of years because mm-hmm. you never earned that money so you don't mm-hmm. know how to deal with it yep. when i got all of that investment i never dealt with that much money before so guess what 15 grand didn't seem like anything to me when i could just go out and get another 15 grand it was just like monopoly money mm-hmm. it was ridiculous and so I wasn't doing that hard-earned graft of bringing the money in for the business. So I didn't understand what it felt like to lose it. Mm. And it's only now, like, oh, if I think of some of the stuff I used to spend money on, I spent like three and a half grand on an SEO consultant. I never got that back. It was meant to be seven grand. We paid half. It was, we paid a deposit, never properly got it back. And I was like, three and a half grand. Okay. You know, and it was just like now, yeah. I'd love to get that three and a half grand back. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We're talking about new levels, new devils. Mm. Um, and I wasn't even aware. So we spoke off camera about, um, you know, your blog's been out a couple of weeks yeah. and it got picked up by ITV. It did. And it got a bit crazy. It did. So... Um, yeah, somebody from ITV messaged me. They said, you know, we really like your story. We'd love for you to come on our points of view show. I had a look at it and I thought, okay. And obviously I'm like, ITV, I'm gassed. So, yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm not going to pretend like I did that much research. Yeah, I was like, yeah. ITV, okay. You know, <laughs> um, they paid for my train to London. So I was like feeling fantastic. One of my friends like, did they pay you for it? And I was like, no. And I was like, they paid for my train though. And they were like, yeah. 
should have kind of got paid for it. And I was like, I was just I was happy oh, with my yeah, train. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and I went to the ITN studios mm. not far from here. And um, yeah, I did the recording. Um, and I was quite nervous. Um, I was, what I was most nervous about was I, I don't like things like this. You have a lot of control over your narrative. Yes. I was very nervous about how my narrative was going to be presented. It's very difficult to put everything that I've just explained to you in three minutes. Oh yeah. And present it properly. (laughs) It's ridiculous. Exactly. And I was, what I was most nervous about was I, there's there's two sides to this story where which is we weren't doing crap we had so much potential so i don't want to look like the muggins that mm. took on so much debt with like a failing business because it wasn't that yeah on the flip side we also weren't making a lot of money despite all the instagram followers the metrics the sales the celebrities it's really difficult to toe that line and it was just such a balance we speak about the debt and it's so difficult because it it really was three months we're all going to be millionaires to then like am i going bankrupt to like yeah. oh we're going to be millionaires again to like what is happening with this business and mm. it was like this really weird push-pull cycle for years of ups and downs yep. and it's really difficult to represent that in the fact that yeah we weren't doing terrible we also weren't doing great and you know we were doing great but we were also doing terrible so I was very nervous about it. I went to the studios. Um, they were all lovely. And they were like, this is going to inspire so many people. And, you know, the UK, we don't speak about it. But a lot of people, I think household debts just increased about £15,000. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I know Step Change have been getting more and more calls. And there's yeah. all these things happening. And, you know, I, I really felt like, okay, this is going to be good. Anyway, so... (laughs) (laughs) The fallout. Yeah, I watched... You know, it came out on a Saturday. So first off, I was also very nervous. I didn't want my mum or dad's photos on there Mm. because um, this is still a very raw issue in my family. Yes. And although they're super supportive of me, I don't know if they want their photos. I don't even know if they want me being on there Mm -hmm. saying how much in debt I am. You know, it's still... It's really... It's a bit like a dirty secret, isn't it? And I felt like I was kind of airing our laundry. I think the blog was one thing. Me doing ITV is another. For sure, yeah. And I asked my dad and he was like, of course you could use my photo. And I was like, I don't think you get what this video is going to be Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) I don't want him to be like suing me and ITV like take my likeness down. But yeah, it came out on the Saturday. So funny because they tagged me on Twitter and I watched the video and I said to my mum, um, please don't, I want to watch it by myself because I'm scared you're not going to like it. And I watched it and I said, I'm so happy. They represented it really well. Yeah. She watched it and she said, this is a really good video. Mm. And I was like, That's okay, good. this is yeah. cool. Well, then, oh, this was really funny as well. Um, a tweet came in instantly saying, someone get this girl a blue badge. And I went, I, uh, no, yeah, so you made that face. And I went to mum and I went, oh my God, someone's tweeted me saying someone get her a blue badge. Yeah. And my mum went, oh God. And I went, no, that's lovely. And she was like, what? And I went, like a blue tick, like verifying me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, oh my gosh, funny. I can't believe this. And my yeah, mum was yeah. like, oh shit, my mum went, oh, I didn't realise that. I thought it meant a disabled badge. And yeah. I was like, what? Oh. And I'm like Googling blue badge and I'm like, that's a bit hurtful kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, I think that's just, you know, random one, like whatever. Yeah. Anyway, clicked onto Facebook and um, 
It was like every worst thing you've ever felt about yourself, the comments were rolling in and I was just refreshing and refreshing and refreshing. And I'm not going to lie, um, I just cried for like an hour and a half. I was mm. literally hysterical. I was like... It, it, it really is every, like the, it's just the best thing. It's just every worst thing you've ever thought about yourself was being written on there. I mean, some were funny. It's like now I can laugh at them, but there was one that really got me, and um, it was a really, really long paragraph from somebody who was like a maths teacher in Manchester. And he mm. basically said, "How can she so nonchalantly say that she got rid of the staff?" Because I did in the video say. Yeah, because it's a three-minute video. Exactly. What they didn't see was that I just said to you that I had hired lots of friends and it was extremely difficult for me and that, you know, but I just kind of... I remember them the question, what you didn't see them get edited, was like, okay, so tell us tell us how this went down. Tell mm. us when you knew it was going to end. And I said, well, after I got rid of the staff and blah, 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 that's when I knew we weren't going to save it. That's what got left in. Mm. And so... Yeah, how can she know so nonchalantly say that she got rid of the staff? Those are people's lives and livelihoods. Like, how dare you? Yeah. And um, what's the other thing he said? I'd be very up- nervous to see that she's still in business now and also, like, advising people. And bear in mind, I, I tell all of my clients about my Let Us Find a Story yeah. prior to working with any of them. Not even, like, a shameful way, but just like, hey, this is me. This is what I've been through. Mm-hmm. Um. But I was just in absolute floods of tears. I mm. had um, uh, Generation Jelly. Um, What's that? I don't just basically think, saying that our generation's just soft and whatever. Oh. Um, <laughs> Never heard of that one. Yeah, trying to live the champagne lifestyle. Um, idiot. Uh, how can you spend 100 grand on a website? Um, so, stu- you know, how can you be so stupid? Um, just like mug. Um, Failed British businesswoman's life. Every, everything you said to yourself in your head. Oh, 100%. The ones that got me worse were actually the intelligent ones, the intelligent put-downs oh, yeah. of people kind of saying that, um, you know, she shouldn't be in business before. And I was just in tears because I just had this mm. really, again, like, I think, you know, I'm happy I go through these things, but a lot of these things are naivety. And I genuinely thought... Um, you know, that people are going to connect with this. I think I had such a good reception from the blog and so many people messaging me, I really didn't see, you know, I'm extremely lucky to, you know, somebody said like, why are you moaning about being able to get a hundred grand in debt? I can't even get a hundred pound line of credit. Mm. And, you know, I get it. And then somebody said like, oh, you know, get me the violin. And what does she, oh, what does she want? Sympathy. Mm. And then somebody, somebody random had put, when did she say she wants sympathy? And you put all of all the bleeding heart music and, right. you know, like the the sad face and whatever. And it was just really hard because that wasn't what I was going on for. And what, what a lot of people don't understand is that this is the first time I've ever spoken about that. Yeah. As I said, my best friends did not know what I was going through. Mm. I have three best friends and each one of those have read the blog. Obviously they understood that I was in debt, but they never understood the level of it, the magnitude of it. And when you really lay out what was happening with the staff, with everything, they just said, we did not know. Well, like we did, you know, and one of my friends, she messaged me and I was actually just so upset. Not that I'm angry with you, but she just said that, that I didn't scratch more beneath the surface 
to try and understand what was going on. Mm. So when I put that blog out, that was almost me saying to clients, to friends, to acquaintances, like, this is what I went through. And I'm only able to talk about things, positive and negative, I think when they're over. Yeah. And now it's just kind of like, this is what I went through. And they were all like, oh my gosh. So when for everybody to turn ITV, like, what does she want sympathy? If I wanted sympathy, I would have told everybody around me at the time and said it was like, I'd bottled it all up. Yeah. So it was just so hard to read um, and to hear and to see must be difficult being misunderstood really it really was and I think it was just you know I just I was just crying and crying and crying because I just kind of thought like you know I wish I'd I wish I'd never said anything you don't say anything for so long and I did it because also people there's such this um I think like this real negative narrative around startup founders which is you put your life on the line for that business Mm. you put everything into the business you are the business and I felt that I used to say I am let us find it and let us find it is me Mm. and you know I when that crumbled, it was like I lost a part of myself because my entire self-worth and ego was tied up in the success of that company, which I am a person outside of a company. I am not that company. And so that's where I was basically. Mm. So for them people to misinterpret that as, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to do it for clout. I'm trying to get sympathy or whatever. It was really, really hard to hear. Mm. Um, But, you know, know, what I didn't speak about was I also had a a wave of positivity um, that came a lot after. And also, so many people reaching out to me with, you know, their personal debt stories, their business stories, you know, you included. Mm. And kind of said, like, this connected with me, this is me. Yeah, honestly. I'd never seen it written down before. Yeah. So when I saw that, I don't even know how I saw it. I think someone else retweeted it. Yeah. And I just, I saw the headline. I was like, Ooh. <laughs> been there, read the paragraphs. I was like, oh my days. Yeah. It's not just me. Yeah. You know, and it is a very, that, that, that kind of story is kind of wrapped up in so much shame. It's like, I'm only going to tell people that need to know because we're just trying to clear up our mess. Like yeah. we don't want anyone else knowing because there's so much judgment around or even if there isn't any judgment there's what you think exactly other people are judging you about so that is existing in one way or the other and um yeah i'd imagine that so many other people saw the same thing and the thing that that i find funny as well is um you know had let us find it you know turned into a billion pound business this would have all just been a small footnote in that and it would have all been part of my success story you know right would have made the success story even better or more impactful i went to the byp conference a few days ago the black young professionals leadership conference and um there was a, a a guy there and um he uh, very high up in BT now, an American guy, and he started off um, that he basically made some kind of like software SaaS company or whatever in like late nineties, early two thousands. But anyway, he took a hundred thousand dollars of it on a credit card, but he then sold that software first for $80,000 and then the next one was $100 million, and everybody in the audience clapped mm. and you know my brother was next to me and he was kind of like oh did you know did you see that cool kind of thing and um that was me I just didn't get to do the yeah yeah you know exactly I mean? yeah so, yeah you've done the same you know, actions and, and yeah. I have clients now I've got clients who are remortgaging their houses mm. and taking on loans and stuff and 
this is a very real thing for people who are going through businesses. This is your dream. You do put everything on the line. Yep. So in a way, I'm not going to apologize for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Exactly. And but I'm also not looking for sympathy for it. It's just if anybody who's ever wanted anything or ever dreamed of anything will understand that you do go to the ends of the earth yeah. to be able to, to bring that to fruition. Mm. And what I was trying to say is that because of this negative culture of we hustle, we go hard, you know, you put everything on the line for your business, captain goes down with the ship, I have to be the first in the office, the last leaving the office, it it just compounded into this real hot mess. Yeah, man, yeah. Well, I'm so glad that you did, and you've you've got this brilliant story out. It's well, not just not just a story, but it's your your truth. And yeah. I think, like you said, it's new devils, new levels, new devils. That's what you're kind of experiencing yeah. again, um, in a way. But I think there's going to be so much growth for you, and I hope that you do continue to to share your truth because it's going to help a lot of people. Definitely. And um, you know, just keep keep it up in terms of what you're doing. I'm sure the lessons that you've uh, that you've learned through mm. this experience is only going to help you get to where you need to be definitely. for sure so definitely and you know there's, there's something that I did write on my blog which I will just quickly mention mm. and it was um, there's a book that I like um, by Deepak Chopra called um, Seven Spiritual Laws of Success mm. and in it he talks about a concept called Dharma mm. and um, Dharma is um, how do you use the things that have happened to you in your life to help like your fellow man and you know I try to by sharing this and by doing the blog I like to think this is part of my dharma in that I'm able to elevate the people around me and also the people who have gone through this or maybe are going to go through this by being authentic and telling the truth and I'm really open about how I get the sales and what happened and you know I'll give you the blueprint Mm. um so maybe that meant that that was meant to mean something and I can multiply it in that way Mm. and kind of advance everybody around me absolutely absolutely sometimes we're just handed situations where there's a skill set in there there's there's something in there within you yeah but sometimes you're given a situation where that actually comes out and sometimes it's different to what we ever imagined it to be yeah you know and it looks like that's what you're kind of going through and kind of stepping up to the plate so I I mean I really appreciate you being here and being so open and candid because this is what this platform and show is all about um I've learned a lot and from thank this. you so much for having me. Oh, that's a I pleasure. Really <laughs> enjoyed speaking oh, about good. it. Funnily enough, <laughs> I mean, there's so many more questions as well. But maybe um, if the people want it, we can do a, a part two, okay. uh, maybe a Q and A or something like that, okay. which would be cool. Um, just a quick question: Now that you've gone through all of that, mm. and I know it's been a very uh, like relatively short period of time, but mm. if you could speak to yourself before that stuff was happening, when you mm. thought of Let's let's find it. Is that what it's called? Sorry? Yeah, let's yeah. find let's it. Let's find it, sorry. What would you what would you tell yourself? Um I think I would definitely tell myself to find allies. Um, you know, and don't always look at 
Don't always look at the people, you know, the mentors, the big billionaires or mil- yeah. sorry, millionaires as as teachers. You can find people who you can find teachers in everyone, mm. you know, and you can find people who are on the same level. You know, look across. Don't just look up. Network sideways. Yes, exactly. And find people who who can go on that journey with you. Um, and you know, they are there. I've only in the last year really started networking and relationship building Mm. and the friends and the people that I've found um I I I wish I had that and people say network you know net net worth network and you're the thing you have the five closest people yeah I don't really see it in that kind of way but just really I was so in my own bubble Mm. I was so lost in my own shit that I was just going down a whirlpool and I had nobody to pull me out of it. And, you know, I think you need allies and you need people to anchor you to the real world. Um, and I, I, I didn't have that. I think that's one of the things that, yeah, I would tell mm. everybody and who's going through any kind of, it's very isolating. Being oh, mate, yeah. Especially when your business is, you know, you can't be yourself with anybody. No. Nope. So find those people that you can kind of be yourself with yeah you know yeah. they're out there for sure that's brilliant advice so where can people find your your blog they can find my blog at www.mldfossu.co.uk and it's i-m-e-l-d-a-f-o-s-s-u cool perfect well we look forward to to more blogs and more more sharing and thank hopefully you. we can do this again soon thank you thank you <laughs> <laughs> Remember, you can check out the full episode on YouTube, Ryan Nile Show. Remember to give this a review and share it with someone you think would benefit from this.